0: Amen. That was some life. All right. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. I know we're tired. We worked all day. It's very hot. Uh, Pray for me. Amen. All right. Uh, Genesis 15. We're going to begin reading in verse 4. This is very interesting. It's very, it's really helped me. I want you to think about it. We're going to talk about. A complete offering. A complete offering. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 4. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, If thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth, of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid them each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And so if you look at verse 11, it says that when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you bless the study. Help us to be alert and attentive. Help us to muse and the fire will burn. We pray for our people that you'd protect us, watch over us, uh, protect our source of income, give us good health, have mercy, Uh, pray for our different relationships, pray for power to live this life, and we pray that we'd understand thy way, thy way of sacrifice, the altar, and offering and a complete offering to finish what we have begun. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, A complete offering. We're going to talk about the gain of loss, and there must be the right type of loss after the right type of gain. So we all know that loss is a part of life. It's, it's really inevitable. We will all suffer loss. We will make mistakes. We will be robbed. There could be theft. We could commit sin. There could be foolishness in decision-making processes. The way of the world, the law, Satan is the god of this world, it's inevitable. We're going to suffer loss. You're going to lose out in relationships, possibly. You're going to maybe lose a person in your life, a family member. You might lose your place somewhere in society. You could lose possessions. You could lose your job. You could lose your health. Many ways to suffer loss. Anything that we value, that we have gained, that is an asset, a positive, a plus, anything that helps us as we live this life, it's inevitable from time to time, we will suffer loss. So if you already prepare yourself and you expect this, because there's no way around it, you will not be so shocked, you will not be so surprised, you will be able to push forward And to really live a steady, faithful life. But the message tonight, it must be the right type of gain and the right type of loss. So, Abraham was who? The father of the faithful. He was the friend of God. And God promised him something, gave him a covenant. And then he said, how will I know? That you'll do this for me, and he ordered him to do this certain sacrifice. There was three animals that were three years old, then some birds. Uh, There's some deep truth there. I'm not sure I figured it out yet. He parted it, but he didn't part, part the birds. I think it had something to do with these evil birds that would come down right after the sacrifice was made and try to devour this sacrifice that Abraham lived by faith, obeyed the Father, did what he told him to do, and immediately these birds showed up. The fowls came down upon the carcasses. So this is a great passage. It says he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So you have... Gain, and then the gain of loss, and then when you lose, God will reward you again exponentially. But once again, it has to be the right kind. All because of the blessing of God and from living by faith. So he's given this covenant. God gave him promises. God made him a very wealthy man. He gained much. He gained in his family, his extended family, possessions, his honor, his reputation, his power in society at that time. And then we'll look at, he suffered several losses according to the will of God. He didn't draw back. He didn't quit, but he kept on going. The just shall live by faith. And because when he lost after the game and he didn't quit, there was actually gain in the loss and the Lord blessed him in an amazing way. All along while this was happening, he had nothing visually to encourage him. He had nothing happen in a worldly way. You know, he didn't get a raise. There was no healing. Nobody patted him on the back. There was, there was no good letter that came in the mail. Nothing happened visually to encourage him. All he had was one thing, and the one thing he had, we have, the Word of God. And God promised him something, and all the promises in him are yea. Right. And he said, look up, tell the stars, count the stars, begin to tell. How many are there? And he said, So shall thy seed be. Innumerable host. So the promise then would be what? Multiplication. The fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. The inheritance of the God-given promised land to Abraham and his descendants. This would be the gain. He'd already gained things. But he was about to lose some things to get the true gain. He was about to lose some things, suffer loss. And David said that he would not give anything unto his Lord unless it cost him something. It had to have value. It had to be great if he was going to sacrifice it to his God. So let me read you just a couple of passages here. In Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee, shall all families of the earth be blessed. So this was the Abrahamic covenant that God called him out of the land of the earth, the Chaldees, promised him a piece of land to him and his descendants. He would multiply as the stars of uh, the heaven. And it was a promise. And it is impossible for God to lie. You know, I think a lot of time we'll claim a verse, meet the condition, pray the prayer, and then we will get our own ideas involved, our own emotions involved. Somehow we'll let our rationale, our logic be interjected to the situation, and immediately we will undo in doubt what we just did in faith, and we will begin to waver. And we don't ask in faith and we don't believe God like Abraham. And it says it was accounted unto him for righteousness because we want to limit God to our own limitations. But the covenant was there and God gave his word. He would gain unbelievably. And to this day, it has not been ultimately fulfilled. You see, God is not on our timetable. God's not limited to our lifespan. God is eternal. A day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is a day. And God will keep his word. Now, it says in chapter 13, and then I'm going to begin reading verse um, 14, that some things begin to happen. He began to suffer loss after God said, you're going to gain. Now, you know, the average person, they don't live by faith. They live by feelings. They don't live by faith. They live by sight. They don't live by the promises of God's word and the old King James. They live by whatever they can see, whatever they feel, whatever happens to them. So God's testing Abraham. Immediately, there's this loss. So it says in the Lord said to Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, it says, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed be also be numbered arise walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it for I will give it unto thee then Abraham removed his tent came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre which is in Hebron and built there an altar unto the Lord so what happened we'll talk about this more in a minute Lot his nephew left him he was worldly they couldn't get along His family, his servants, could not get along with Abraham and his servants, and he lost a close family member. This nephew uh, left, And and it was mutual, by the way. You know, I had a talk with my cousin about a second cousin, and somehow it's a cousin first removed. All right. Uh, i got a lot of cousins far removed. We out there, first, second, third, they're really removed. And sad to say, feelings mutual. Uh, but he gives the dimensions. So he says, I'm going to give you this land. He says, there's going to be so many of your offspring, stars of the heaven, the dust of the earth. If anybody can count that high, that's how many people they are going to be. Now, I believe this. The kingdom of heaven, of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. There will be so many of the seed of Abraham in eternity. How how many stars are there? I don't know. Only God. How much dust is there? What is a speck of dust? I don't know. Only God. God's going to keep his promise. There's going to be that many of the stock of Abraham one day in eternity. Now it says in uh, Genesis 17, and I'm want to start reading in verse six, it says that I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed and after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. "...to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, and I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." So whenever you see the word everlasting, it means from a point in time on into eternity forever and ever and ever. Eternal means it goes back in time forever and ever. Everlasting means it starts in a point in time where God gave the Abrahamic covenant, the promise to Abraham. Then it will go on and on and on into eternity in the future. And he said, I'm giving all of it to you. Now, when he died, had the promise been fulfilled? No, they died in faith still hasn't been completely fulfilled. And he gives this sign of the circumcision. So follow me, we're leading up to something. Everything that happened to Abraham happens to the true child of God because he's the father of the faithful. And if you're going to have the promises of God fulfilled, you can claim them, you're going to have this promise, gain, loss, reimbursement, but God's going to keep his word. So the sign was circumcision. So every male child on the 8th day was circumcised. The word is from the root word circumspect, which means to a circle, to cut circular with a single stroke, the foreskin was removed. And it is a type, according to Colossians and other places, of, uh, we are experiencing spiritual circumcision. To be cut away from the flesh by the one spirit baptism into the body of Christ, after we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are circumcised from the flesh. So, a lost person is still connected to their flesh. They are a flesh pot. They have no further potential than the lust of the flesh. But a child of God is circumcised. We are cut away and we have the potential by the grace of God to live a spiritual life. So what does the Bible say? Walk circumspectly. And the word means walk in a circle. I don't have time to go into that, kind of like the bagua. You walk in a circle, circumspectly. You are aware of the beginning, each phase, the middle. You return to the beginning, and this is your life. God wants us to walk circumspectly, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Live as becometh saints. Let covetous not be mentioned among you. Honor God. So this sign of the circumcision, he obeyed God. And then we have, and I'm not going to have you turn to it, he gives the full true dimensions of the land of Canaan, which is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, in Joshua 13, 1-7. Now the world wouldn't have this; they couldn't handle it. It goes all the way down, takes part of northern Egypt, goes over, takes Jordan, Petra, goes up, takes Lebanon, Syria. Uh, it's a bit; it's much bigger than uh, Israel today. And now there's this anti-Semitism attack on the land of Canaan, attack. On the stock of Abraham. They want them to give back more. Now they're coming up with all these things. It's apartheid, Netanyahu, like in South, all this stuff. Uh, total attack, trying to take back the small portion that they've conquered and they possess. One day, though, all of it will be theirs. So the gain, eternal gain, exponential. Will never end. It will go on and on and on throughout eternity. But right after God gives this promise, he begins to suffer loss. He begins to be troubled. He begins to have emotional conflict. He begins to have relationship problems. He has loss of a family member, loss of a pretty close relative. All these things happen. So I want to look at this because if you are saved, Abraham's the father of the faithful. The just shall live by faith. He believed God, it was accounted unto him for righteousness. He was given a promise by God. We were given a whole book of promises by God. But Paul said in Philippians 3. You're going to have to lose some things, count it, but loss to truly gain. Now, I want to say this before I proceed. You cannot equate your own losses with loss for Christ. We've all lost money. I made bad deals. I'm sure all of you made perfect deals. We've all made mistakes we've lost out financially, we've lost possession, all sorts of things. Emotional trauma, we have failed. I doubt if there's anybody here who's passed every test you've ever taken. Everybody has failed to some degree. All of us have lost maybe friends, relationships, standing, maybe a place in society, whatever it is. Some of us lost our health. Some of us have had accidents, injuries. Our past comes back to haunt us. Maybe lost reputation. Everybody suffers loss. You can't claim those types of things when you're looking at gain and loss with the promises of God. We're talking about when you get saved and you get right with God, therefore this book, You yield to the Holy Spirit, and then God demands you're going to lose some things. You're going to lose some And it may be your best friend. You could lose your spouse. You could lose your job. You could lose your hobbies. You could lose your hometown. You could lose a lot of things, but it's going to be something that God wants you to sacrifice. You see, this new modern fake Christianity of goody-two-shoes, where everybody's smiling and beady-eyed, badger-looking, whatever that thing is. Uh, Joel Osteen wants you to help yourself. Everything will be perfect. You'll be rich. Nobody will get sick. That's not real Christianity. That's a false Jesus, a false health, wealth, name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. What is the true gospel? Jesus said, if you follow me, take up your cross. Follow me. You're going to suffer loss. Sacrifice. Even your own will. Sacrifice your own belief system. Your own culture. Your own educational background. Your race maybe. Your family upbringing. You've got to give it up. And and we live in a day where people want God and all their possessions too. They want God and bring the past into the present, which will destroy their future. That's not the God of the Bible. If Abraham had to go through this, so do I, so do you. So, what did he lose first of all? He lost his nephew. Lot. They couldn't get along. You have to realize, he brought him all the way with him from the land of the early Chaldeans. I mean, it's his nephew. I mean, he loved him. They had a, obviously, or it seems to be, a close relationship. But their, their families couldn't quit bickering. Their servants couldn't get along. They couldn't agree on which water hole that uh, each of their herds could water from and, you know, all the... Uh, the fields of grazing they couldn't get along and so Abraham said you choose where you want to go and I'm going the other direction that's real separation and Lot was worldly if you study it his wife was a bad influence she was worldly he set his tent pitched it toward Sodom it was a well watered plain he was totally selfish he picked the best watered land, the best ecosystem, the best water, and the big, biggest uh, metropolitan areas. If that's the, if possible, he 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 pitched toward DFW, the Metroplex, Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said, "I'm going there." And he began. He, he vexed his righteous soul from day to day. Advanced in society, sat in the gate as a city leader, lost his influence with his own son-in-laws, was friends with the Sodomites, they tried to rape his own daughter and the angels and Jesus Christ himself. Unbelievable filth that went on. But Abraham lost that relationship. He said, Alright, you, if you go that way, I'm going that way. If you go that way, I'm going that way. If you go north, I'm going south. I don't want to be around your type. I don't care how you're my cousin or you're my nephew or you're from my home country. You know these people like, we're all from France. I don't care where you're from or y'all were. I'm Scotch-Irish. So what? If, if you're like Lot, you go that way, I'm going that way. So, First thing that happened he lost a family member i mean it had to hurt i mean he's a human kind of strange you know think about if you brought somebody from a foreign land to a strange country and you begin to frontier it and pioneer it and then after a while you had to break up and say i know we've come a long way but you go that way probably never see you again he did But I'm going that way. So, first thing that happened, he lost a lot. And you could call that maybe a distant family member, but he did. Another thing that happened is his wife died. You know, Sarah, Brother James talked about this, type of Israel, or maybe the law. And then they went and he got a new wife, and all all these things. uh, Rebecca and Eliezer, the Holy Spirit looking for a bride. Uh, for Isaac, a type of Christ. But he you don't think that hurt? He didn't inherit the land. He didn't inherit the land of Canaan. Broke his heart. His Sarai was changed to Sarah. And God fulfilled the promise to give him the promised seed out of her womb. He lost her. Had to hurt. I mean, he was a man just like you and I. Had all the emotions, the trauma, the grief. Look at all the loss. Next, lost his own son, Ishmael, in chapter 21, when the promised seed grew up, they were celebrating Ishmael, the wicked little half-hamite from Egypt is over there mocking in the light of the campfire, and what does it say? Cast out this bondwoman and her son. And it broke his heart. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? And he thought they were going to die of thirst and starvation. Sending your own son and your wife out into the desert. And when they say desert, they mean desert. I mean, grass won't even grow. I don't even know what how they make it. But... Uh, he lost his son and and his wife Ishmael Hagar and then think about it he's willing to lose his heir Isaac take thy son, thy only son take him up on Mount Moriah, offer him and he was he did it, he drew the knife and Isaac didn't understand. Where is the sacrifice? He said the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And he built the altar and tied him down. And he was willing to do it. But why? He believed the covenant, the promise, that God would raise him from the dead. The just shall live by faith. Just imagine, though, the loss of all these things that were happening. Now, we get to the text... He tells him to take these three animals, three years old apiece, these birds, build an altar, offer sacrifice, and he does what God tells him to do, and then these fowls show up, and they're trying to eat the sacrifice that is God's sacrifice, so he has to finish the job, complete the offering, finish the offering by staying there to drive away the fouls. You know what it's like, you're driving down the road, there's roadkill. there's, I call it the Valley County Air Force, there's buzzards. Is it the black buzzards? Is it the Mexican turkey buzzard with the redhead? Uh, some of us here have hit a buzzard with their car. How many? How many, no really? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I've hit one. Eight. You hit a glancing blow. Hit the front windshield. You know, they they need a long runway. Uh, Imagine who's sitting there fighting them off. For how long? We don't know. Had to complete the offering. So, let me get to this and then we will uh, conclude. We're almost out of time. But what happens is, While he's fighting off these birds that are trying to ruin his sacrifice to God, it says that something terrible happens to him. In verse 12, and it says, When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now, Do you know what a horror is? This isn't just a little bit of sadness or a little bit of fear. A great horror. The the most fearful, scared you've ever been, you could ever imagine, of the most wicked, dark nightmare you could ever imagine in your life. This horror of a great darkness. Remember, this is so dark you can feel it. It settles and it falls on him, and it says in verse 17, "It came to pass that when the sun went down, it was dark. Behold, and this is amazing wording: a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces." This is what he endured, and it says in verse 18, "In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying." unto thy seed have I given this land from the river and there it is of Egypt unto the great river the river Euphrates and it tells the borders now he lost his peace lost his serenity lost the calm of a good night's sleep you know it's one thing to not sleep well it's another thing to have a little insomnia It's another thing when you wake up at three every morning, when your liver is burning and zinging and you can't, you're dead tired physically, but your mind is just racing and you're thinking about the next day. Then when you don't get any rest, then you wake up, you're getting your, when it's time to get up, you're getting your best sleep. Then you have a tired day. I'm sure none of you have been through that. That isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about a horror of a darkness so dreadful, so fearful that a fiery furnace showed up and lamps between... I don't think we can even imagine what he went through. I I think it's indescribable of the horror. Like when Job was in his bedroom and the spirit, or Eliphaz, and the the, uh, ghost or spirit came in. It says the hair stood up on his hands and on the back of his neck you know it's there you know when that thing's there and you don't want to look yeah I know I know you don't believe in that stuff I felt a presence a, a deep horror of darkness fell on him so what happened he lost his peace all of this happened and it continued to happen but then it says at that same time God made a covenant with him. And he believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, in conclusion, when you go through these things, and you will, you have to drive off the birds to have a complete sacrifice. You ever notice when you make a big decision for God or you give something to the Lord, immediately there's going to be second guessing, rethinking, doubt will settle in, people try to talk you out of it, your own heart may condemn you. You have to stay there to drive away the fowls, uh, the, the vultures, the, the buzzards. These are the same birds that are at the second coming of Christ after the judgment in Isaiah 34. These are the same birds in the parable of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 13 that steal the seed of the eternal word of God before it can find root in the heart and produce fruit. The same birds that make their nest in the tree of the kingdom of heaven that infiltrate God's kingdom. Same birds in Revelation that devour and will eat the great whore the mother of harlots. Same birds in Revelation 19 that will devour the carcasses of the wicked men after the battle of Armageddon. These are the birds that rob and steal so that you cannot make a complete sacrifice or offering for God. So, these satanic fowls, they're going to show up they want to devour your sacrifice to God, your gift to God. And so one of the I've always loved that verse, Abraham drove them away. You know most people would have built the altar, made the sacrifice, and walked off. And then you, you know how it is, especially in South Texas. You'll see them circling, and uh, We'll see them. We'll go, "Uh uh-oh. They're either looking or smelling or something died. And sometimes they're just looking. I see it all the time. They're they're circular, just looking. I've never studied how they find the carcasses. But most people just would have left. Not Abraham. He said, this is God's offering. This is a sacrifice to Him. I have to stay and drive away the fowls. A complete sacrifice. We're going to suffer loss. But the just shall live by faith. And God will keep His word. He will keep His promise. All the promises in Him are yea. And this hasn't been fulfilled yet. Thousands of years have passed. Let God be true. And every man a liar. All right, let's stand let's stand let's pray for god's mercy and grace